The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. So hello, everybody, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. This is Joni Siegel, and co-hosting with me today, woohoo, is... Jason Good, back in the studio, back in the flesh. Jason Good from Narcanon Suncoast. So, um... What are we talking about today, Jason? Well, I thought it was very interesting. So, okay, so let's start off with, okay, so we're like T minus 13 days. Yes. Until uh, until Christmas. 12 days. 12 days. I think today's the 13th, right? Today's the 13th. So yes. 12 days. 12 days. Until Christmas. And like, I know we've been kind of like building this up and building this up over the last two months as far as, hey, it's not a reason not to go to treatment. That's right. And hey, it's not a reason to continue your addiction and try to like fake it till you make it and get through the holidays because I'm going to pound this home. If We're it beating kills the drum. Me, I mean, I, I, it's kind of like dinging my message in week after week. Um, and it's just this. If you have an addict in the family and you allow the addict to be a part of Christmas festivities, it's not going to be that all American Christmas morning it's going to be terrible. It's going to not, it's going to be awful. Let me just say that. Yeah, they're not going to just magically be sober for no. Christmas Day. It's not going to happen. And if they need to get higher on Christmas Day, they're going to get higher on Christmas Day. Yeah. Because no matter what day of the year it is, they have to get high. That and addiction doesn't rest. Mm-hmm. The overall drug crisis in this country doesn't rest. And right now that's what we have. We have an overall drug epidemic crisis whatever you want to call it because it's not just opioids and it's not just meth and it's not just prescription drugs and it's not just synthetic drugs and it's not just psychiatric drugs it's literally everything all in one we are such a over medicated over and drug society that's kind of like we have to like like wake up and look at what's going on because look at where we've come in the last you know 25 you know 20 or 25 years it's like things have gotten progressively worse not better, but every day we're trying to arm the public with information so better choices can be made and having knowledge about how to spot addiction, how to look for signs of intoxication, knowing that there's drug rehab modalities that work, knowing, you know, and you're hearing from all the opinion leaders and the doctors and, you know, the people that we and the attorneys that we have on this podcast. It's like we all need to have that data. We all need to have that information. Otherwise, like, what are we going to do? Yep. And addiction does not take a holiday. Ever. Addiction will not take a holiday. People will die on Christmas Day from overdoses. And it's really super sad. But, you know, we've said this over and over again for you, the listeners. Let's face it, the holidays are stressful. There's a lot that has to get done. If you're shopping, you got to get your shopping done. If you're partying, you got to get your parties done. And I don't, when I say partying, I don't mean getting high. I mean, if you're going to parties, eating cookies, you're baking, you're cooking dinners for people. So it's a stressful time of year. And you may not understand that where it's stressful for you and you can deal with that stress, the addict can't deal with that stress. And the only way the addict knows how to deal with that stress is to get high. And so it's not like they're going to be so happy to be around the family. They're not going to get high, regardless of what they tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, they may say to you, oh, I can do it. You know, I can be there for the holiday. You know, I can stay clean. It's not going to happen. It's just not. And you're fooling yourself and you're doing them a disservice. You know, Jason, I had no idea, but, you know, we were talking to Katie at Narcanon. Yep. And she said her parents sent her to rehab on Christmas Eve. They did. What better present... Than the gift of sobriety, because now Katie is sober. Correct. Do you know? However, in the moment, I can say that she was probably less than impressed being put into treatment on 
New Year on Christmas Eve, but what would have happened had she not been? She could be dead. You never know. And you know? so I'm glad her parents had the ability to say, yeah, that's not happening. You're going to treatment today versus, and we don't care like what day of the year it is. Right. Um, and you'd be surprised how many families you run into that with when I'm working, when we're working with them to get their loved one into treatment. And it's Let's like, just wait until after Christmas. Why? Let's just wait until after New Year's. You know, the, the addiction's not going to wait. What are you thinking? I always tell families, if you put time into it, so once the addict knows that there's this idea that, that, that they're going to go to treatment and then you're like, okay, so you're going to go to rehab and we set it up and you're going to go in two weeks. That is asking for trouble because they know they're going to rehab. So what are they going to do for those two weeks? Get, Get as high really as they possibly high. can, as often as they possibly and can. You also leave the door open for them to either lose their willingness in that amount of time, overdose, end up in jail, and then you lost your opportunity. So, you know, it's people, I wish, I want people to understand that once you start the process of getting a person to treatment and starting that process of speaking to a rehab counselor, that's right. You have to just like take it through to a done real quick because once that starts, you have to wrap it up because otherwise too much time is put into it. You're going to lose it. That's right. And the, and I, the biggest thing you're going to lose probably is the willingness on the addict because when they're willing one second, they might not be the next second. And then it's game over. Exactly. Um, and the current situation that we as a society are in, especially in the realm of opioids, um, I know you and I have talked about millions of times, it feels like, how we can trace it all back to the pharmaceutical companies, the you know, the l- lacking of ethics as far as how they're market they were marketed, and that's putting it lightly, um, and how it sparked this whole thing. And, you know, in the early two thousands, all of a sudden we saw this explosion of oxycodone of oxycotton. And then, you know, just became pain pill central and pain clinics in South Florida. And everyone's like all of a sudden strung out on uh, opioids. And, you know, it's funny when I recall it, like in my mind, it almost feels like one day there wasn't an opioid crisis. And we literally woke up the next day and like people are heroin addicts. I was like, what? What happened? (laughs) I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing something. And what I was missing was all the people that were getting hooked on uh, opioids from the doctors or from their friends or whatever. Also, we just knew there was like millions of pills everywhere. Like Oxycontin was really easy to get. Right. Um, I worked at a restaurant and like, it felt like half the staff were just like snorting Oxycontin during the shift. Wow. Like it was like this normal thing. And me at that time, I was a cocaine addict. I didn't really know what that was that they were doing. And I got introduced to it, but it was like, it almost came out of nowhere. Um, and you know, you fast forward all these years and like all, all this stuff came out about, you know, the um, the shady marketing practices, the shady doctors and the pain clinics and all that stuff and Purdue Pharma, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's nice to see what I saw on the internet. It was about a week ago is that Pam Bondi, our attorney general in Florida, actually has lodged a lawsuit against CVS and Walgreens, the pharmacies, and their role in the opioid crisis. And what was found out is like they were completely unethical in, in, in their pres- in their filling of prescriptions because basically what happened was uh, both drugstores were filling million were selling millions and millions and millions of pills and there's this due diligence that pharmacists are supposed to like kind of go through with like if you think a prescription is weird or shady or there's something suspicious you're not supposed to fill it but there's all these like shady prescriptions that would come in and all these people that were clearly doctor shopping coming in um, and just the the sheer amount of drugs um, dispensed by both these companies is like completely outrageous. Um, and so Pam Bondi kind of caught wind of that. Um, and so 
her office has actually announced a lawsuit, like a major lawsuit against these two drugstores. Well, yay, Pam. Yay, Pam. Um, so I, I guess basically the lawsuit says that the two companies, and this is a quote um, from Pam Bonnie's office, um, made, they made unconscionable efforts to increase the demand and supply of opioids into Florida. There you go. And that's that's pretty insane, um, if you ask me. I, I It's hard to believe that kind of all this happened and then we just caught on to it like at the after it was already occurring. I feel like so, at least I in the middle of it was like there's something wrong here. Well, and, you know, it was funny. Be- you, you said, you know, it seemed like it was kind of overnight. And I would argue that point. I would say, no, 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 no. It's way more gradual. However, when I look back at the interview we did with Jim Swears right. and Mary Sue, mm-hmm. who did the film Overdose, right. and the fact that the pharmaceutical company specifically dumped all of those painkillers, opioids, into West Virginia... That is an overnight scenario. Uh, that that is, is not like oh, gradiently the people in West Virginia were interested in opioid opioids. That's a let's dump a billion pills into this particular state, and there you go. Right, and a lot of those, and some of those pharmacies in West Virginia, as, much, as well as other states, filling those filling those pills was CVS and Walgreens. Right. Um, and so it, it was not just in Florida. It seemed to be like almost nationwide yeah. that this yeah. problem was occurring. I mean, even I think it was Walgreens, uh, one Walgreens in a very small area of Florida itself sold 3.3 million pills. Wow. Whereas uh, CVS Pharmacy gave over gave out 700 million painkiller doses over an eight year period in one small part of Florida. That's not to mention what the overall picture is through the whole state. Yeah. And this is. I, and this is, you know, since the opioid crisis. And so these are some of the driving forces. And I think that the more time that goes by and the more investigations that are being done, the more that's kind of coming to light. But like, okay, well, I guess it kind of makes sense considering how everything was set up because it was set up. Right. It, this wasn't just like, oh, it was an accident. We didn't mean for it to get to like this point. I can't. Well, when you look at when you look at that, it's not an accident. That's what I'm saying. When you look at what they did in West Virginia, right? And when you look at, you know, the the statistics you're giving me right now, and that the attorney general looked at before she filed her lawsuit, that's that's not just like coincidence. That's not like over. That's like orchestrated, you know. And it's all about the money. It's about the money. It's all about the money. That doctor in overdosed. It's like all about the money. To the point where the Sacklers yes. are some of the most, are the, like, some of the wealthiest people on the planet, and there's some of the, the family that owns Purdue. Right. And I got so twisted up when I read that they put that um, Purdue Pharma got a, an, another patent for for a drug to fight opioid addiction. And all, and literally, what it is is a it's a reformulation of Suboxone. Basically, the idea was, oh well, people will take Suboxone and it's a sublingual tablet, but it takes you know five to seven minutes for it to fully dissolve, and people just like spit it out and then go divert it onto the streets, like whatever, or just not take it. Um, and so we're gonna make a, a really rapid dissolving version of Suboxone. I'm like, are you serious? Like, can, how can I don't know how, how those people act? sleep at night. I don't know how they can justify. I don't know, I don't know how they can justify it. I really don't. I, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. It, I mean, it does because it's money driven. Yeah. Period. If you want to look at the whole thing and you just 
like you just said, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, a whole other subject. It's the same way with psychiatrists that continuously prescribe antidepressants to depressed people and they cause depression or anti-anxiety that causes anxiety or anti-psychotic that causes psychosis and they just do it, you know? And it's like, ugh, anyway. Yeah, and that's that's also true because, so we always talk, you and I have talked about drugs are a solution to a problem. Right. Okay, so what I've seen with specific drugs, like let's take Xanax. Right. Okay, so a person can take Xanax because they're anxious, and so they take it for a long period of time, but then the drug starts to actually cause anxiety. Um, how is that a workable solution? It's, if it's you take, insane. If you take pain medication for a while... It doesn't cause pain. It's not that it causes pain, necessarily, but it lowers your body's ability to deal with pain if, yes. you, if you stop taking it. Right. So if you have, you've taken opiates for a while and you stop taking opiates, fine, but now you have literally no ability ability to handle physical or emotional pain and i got that but a painkiller does not specifically cause pain the difference with the psychiatric medications is the antidepressants specifically cause depression and the antipsychotics specifically cause psychosis it's a side effect of the drug it's like you know if i were to say to you okay you broke your ankle i'm going to give you a painkiller it's going to cause pain that's a side effect of it you'd go well then why would i take it right (laughs) But why wouldn't it, that's the thing I don't get is why don't people say that about antidepressants or antipsychotics? I'll tell you the reason because you're not told that. That's right. Initially, you're that's told exactly right. here, this will help you. Yeah. This is and, gonna, yeah. Unless you listen to the guy talking speed reading on the television after the drugs, where well, he does the, the whole speed reading thing of all the side effects and the fact that it can cause suicidal tendencies and all this kind of stuff. So. Anyway, there you go. But well done, Pam Bondi. You know, I'm just thinking, um, you know, next week I'm going to play, because I'm out of town, I'm going to play her interview again because I think it's still very relevant, especially now that she's filed this lawsuit. But I think, um, you know, I'm going to ask Steve to reach out to her and see if we can get her back on the podcast because, you know, it's a big question now what's she going to do? She's term limited out. I think she's done. I think she's done the beginning of 2019. Right. And I, I... you know, I just want to see where she's going to go because she was a big time prosecutor over in Tampa. So we'll see. All maybe right. she'll, maybe she'll prosecute drug companies. You know, I could totally get behind that. I, I could totally get behind that, and that's the thing with this with this uh, case against CVS and Walgreens. Yep, she's also filed a suit against um, Purdue, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Insys Therapeutics. Amerisource Bergen, Cardinal McKesson, and some of the, and those are just some of the major distributors that um are been named in this suit. So like, way to go! I mean, that's awesome because yep. we need to fight this because it, like I always say, it continues to get worse. And if we don't jump in, kind of take take control, like Pam Bondi is doing, I mean, and that's what's going to, to the from continuing. Yep, and that's going to the source. Same as going after the major um. Uh, cartels and whatever that bring drugs into the country, like Ill- illegal drugs. Right. That's going after the source of this problem. And I think that that's huge. You may remember that we had, when we had Dave Ehrenberg on the podcast, yes. he was the original guy to file a suit against Purdue Pharma. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I think I knew that. Yeah. And of course, she he was the drug czar under her when she first became attorney general. And right. he's the one that shut down the pill mills in the state of Florida. So, you know, the Florida is kicking butt and taking names in this area and i 
you know, I think it's brilliant because you have someone like Pam Bondi who is not in office because of money from pharmaceutical company lobbyists. That's not how she's there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the pharmaceutical lobbyists are all over Washington, D.C., totally. and a lot of those elected officials are not willing to stand up and say, Too, enough on this. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she told us when she first ran for attorney general, she said, I don't need this job. You know, I have a really good job in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's somebody who is not afraid to, to call the shots and to say, you know, you guys are responsible and you need to take some responsibility for this. You know, I, there I are, there are fantastic. others who would never do that. She is, she's like Wonder Woman in like real life. Yeah. And she will fight the good fight. That's just awesome. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast, visit our Facebook page called The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. And for further information on Narconon Suncoast, call 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. You know what bothered me today? What? I had This is the fourth call i've had like this this week of a person that contacted me or at narconon mm-hmm. and was like i really need help i've like basically destroyed my life and i say what are you using and they say marijuana and i say what else are you using and they say nothing so your drug of choice is marijuana yes i mean i spoke to a person recently that has literally done most things that like heavy drug addicts and it's like heavy drug addicts like heroin addicts stuff like that destroyed their life in an equivalent way to um to to that addiction but he's just he's addicted to marijuana and there's more and more of that happening with the amount of legalization that's happening state by state by state by state and it's like oh my god did we not look at what happened in colorado as a result because they thought that legalizing recreational pot in colorado they were going to be the model of how you do it and how it works and it's so good and it's so fine we all have our weed and everyone's happy and people are making money and whatever but it was like the opposite. There's all this fallout and there's like awful statistics coming out of that. But it's still every, a, a lot of other states since then like popped up each year legalizing pot recreationally. And it's like, okay, well, thank you guys. Now we've bred a new type of drug addict. Yep. The one drug that people always said you can't get addicted to. No, you now can't you get can't get addicted, addicted to marijuana. Come on, Jason. You can't get addicted to marijuana. They must just be lying to you. No, well, Joni THC in high doses is proving to be addictive. And it is, yep. <laughs> but that's what I tell people. Um, and, and, and I actually said to this guy, I said, you know what? Maybe I'm the first person that's going to tell you this. It's not the drug that is your problem. Right. And he just paused and he said, huh? I see it's, it's not the drug itself. Isn't the issue. The fact that you're using drugs is a symptom. Right. Of something else. Of a, of a problem. That's for which drugs are the solution. Because yeah. he was arguing with me about, but I'm just on pot. I said, then why are you talking to a rehab? Why'd you My call? My life's out of control. Oh. Okay, well, <laughs> what what, what's the, what does it matter what you're using? Well, it's people that do heroin and meth and, and cocaine. Those are the people that go to rehab. I said, oh, it, it doesn't. Okay. They're why same, are you calling me then? Well, you're at, was, <laughs> just go back to that. Like, why are like, you calling me? Well, it was more of like, I was like, you're at the same point. I mean, yeah. you got to a point where you're, where things got hard enough and you're uncomfortable enough to reach out because something indicated to you that there's a problem. Yep. But now there's like this button on the what the drug is that you're using. And it's just like, look. And this goes to everybody listening to this. It's not the drug. 
people have different drugs of choice because they prefer one high over another over another and that's what it is but it's the we have to not focus on the fact that oh they've got a cocaine problem we have to get them off cocaine that's the problem if we just got them to stop cocaine everything would be fine and it's not true because doing cocaine or doing heroin or smoking meth or shooting this or snorting that or eating whatever is just an indicator that there's something off that there's something wrong that person is reaching for answers to fix something that they don't know how to fix right so the problem is it's not like little johnny needs to stop smoking crack and little Susie needs to stop shooting heroin it's like they need to both handle (laughs) their issues what's underlying it because you'd be surprised what sits there exactly you would be shocked because Things in my life that I remember as as a child, as like big events, the way my family remembers them is like, why, why is that? Even why was the, that a big why deal? Was that even the yeah. Thing? yeah, and that's what you have to understand is we all have our own personal experiences throughout life. And we all perceive situations in a certain way when they happen, and so a lot of the time when you're going through the, you know these addicts' lives, especially at Narcan, on the way we do it, you'd be surprised what comes up is like this was the thing. And a lot of times it goes back to like this like incredible invalidation um, by a family member or a teacher or something when a person was like eight. Right. And then every invalidation built on top of that to the point where they just thought they were so worthless and not capable and not good enough and all these things. And at 15 years old, someone said, dude, take one of these. And he did. And all of his problems as far as that invalidation Went away. Went away. Exactly. Just to the wind. Yep. And that's how it starts. And then everything builds on top of that. And once you get a person into a, a you know treatment center to handle that, you got to start stripping it away. Piece by piece by piece by piece. When you get to the bottom of it, it wasn't cocaine or heroin or meth that was the actual reason to the person's issues. Right. There was something below it. But the thing is, is like... I think we as humans, we're, I guess we're, we're pleasure seekers. We try to avoid pain at all costs. And when we find things that help us do that, they become the end-all, be-all. Right. Okay? And well, so, that's very true. But the ultimate pleasure is going to be in confronting and actually facing up to, which exactly. is the same thing as confronting right. the problem and, and addressing it. And that's the and, and, and I totally agree. Yep. And that's that's my viewpoint. That's your viewpoint on it. When you take an addict and you say, hey, man, look, you're going to get a lot of satisfaction out of kicking dope and then handling your issues, like facing your demons, it's going to be better than getting high. <laughs> like, you're going to be like, what are you, nuts? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but it's it's true. But it is true. There, there's no better satisfaction than figuring out and having those aha moments and you know epic realizations about, oh, my God, this is how it all got like this. And, you know, my goal is to make an addict, well, take an addict from a drug addict, totally like, at the receipt point of everything bad in their lives and turn them into a super responsible person that can go back and like make this world a better place is that's the point. It's like take it one person at a time, get them off drugs, get them to a point where they can take control of their lives, they're responsible for the condition in life and move forward. Yep. And until we do that as the exact way we handle every addict, who knows what's going to happen out there because my fundamental problem with certain treatment modalities that I went through was that I came out of more drugs than I went in on. Right. I came out with more labels and lower self-esteem <laughs> than I had going in. Um, and I'm trying to undo that bit by bit. Like that's what, that's like my purpose here and what I'm doing bit by bit, kind of undo that entire mess that's happening out there. Yep. Um, and 
That's why we're here. Yep. That's why well, we talk. And, and, and make no mistake, and I want the listeners to understand this, we've had people on the podcast that are now sober and that are now making a difference. Um, for example, last week, we talked again to Michael DeLeon. Right. We had um, Christine, the nurse, on yep. here. We had the doctor who yep. was an anesthesiologist. Okay, those people did not go through Narconon, but they are now sober, mm-hmm. and that's the point. And But the percentage of people who do it on the, shall we say, the common acceptable modalities, the percentage of people that make it through that and come out the other side sober are very few and far between. The percentages are not very good. And when you look at the percentage of people who come out of Narcanon and who can stay sober long term, it's a way higher percentage. Totally. It's not 100%. We've talked about that, but it's a way, way higher percentage. And so if you're out there listening and you go, okay, so I could send my son to this wilderness thing, you know, what, and you should ask them, what's your success rate mm-hmm. and how long do you follow up? You know, or you can send them to this 12 step program. Great. What's your percentage? of success rate right. and how long do you follow up exactly and then contact Narcanon and say what's your percentage of success rate and how long do you follow up and i just think if you just look at it from a bare bones metrics statistics whatever you want to call it viewpoint and you know you'll make the choice that you'll make you know mm-hmm. and it it's not to say that there aren't modalities that work that aren't narking on because there are, but for the much higher percentage of the time, it's narking on that's going that because it's a very standard science-based technology to address the drugs on a physical level, mm-hmm. on a mental level, mm-hmm. and on a spiritual level. Totally, you know, and you have to kind of do it in that order. <laughs> you know, you have to. There's get, a specific sequence of how to get it done. Get them out of the body, get the body completely clean, address it mentally so the person can be in the present, be in the now, and gain control over their thoughts, and then address it spiritually so that the guy is taking responsibility for his own life. And, you know, that's what we're going for here is sobriety. And um, I just want to, I want to say one more time too, uh, kudos to Florida Attorney General for taking the pharmacies and the pharmaceutical companies to task for this epidemic because they have a major responsibility in this. Right. And while we know solutions like this exist and we know like workable ways to really handle the the drug problem. Meanwhile, the rest of the country is going, well, we know we just figured out how to create this new nerve stimulator that we can install behind your ear and attach an electrode to your brain. And you know what's going to help you with opiate withdrawals? really <laughs> I, I say it because it's like oh my god like what are we gonna like think of next is like some weird shock treatment sh- do, like if you do not shock treatment. i know but if you do shock treatment would you get rid of an addiction you get rid of a lot of things when you do shock treatment so i don't know it's like okay so this device is called the nss-2 bridge device <laughs> i would never use this i'm sorry to laugh am i allowed to do that Laugh? Like laugh at this is like this is ridiculous. Well, I mean, I mean addiction is a serious subject, but that's a ridiculous thing that so, anybody would consider doing that. You know, it's the same way when people go, Oh, I can get completely clean and sober, like what is it like with one injection of something? Vivitrol, well, Vivitrol. And and they're and they're clean and sober? 
I don't think so. Well, no, I'd like you, to know what percentage of people really stay clean and sober after that. Well, that's interesting because the this is something I predicted was going to happen. So there's a Vivitrol shot, which is a uh, it's a naltrexone that they inject. It's it's like a little implant. They, they, you, they putting your it turns off your ability to get high from opioids for thirty days at a time. Uh, but but here's the thing: it turns off your ability to get high from opioids. You can still get high from cocaine. Yeah. You can, Methamphetamine. People, I, I actually wrote an article. I'm like, okay, so let's look at Vivitrol. Is this a solution to to addiction or is this a gateway to methamphetamine addiction? And it's showing that, I mean, I'm not going to say directly, but like look at the look at the statistics that happen. You have all these people that are addicted to opioids. Vivitrol comes out, great. People are using Vivitrol. But simultaneously or at the, the similar instance, methamphetamine use is spiking. Um and also, as fentanyl deaths are increasing, methamphetamine use is spiking too. So that leads me to two conclusions: one, people still want to get high because it's not, like I said, it's not the drug that is the specific drug that's the issue. Right. So people are like, "Well, I can't get high from opioids, so I'm gonna smoke meth or shoot meth or whatever." The other thing is, and this is like a super loose theory that I read in, in past, like I read somewhere. Oh, I you say you made it up. No, I didn't make it up. I would, I mean, this is kind of, but it is kind of a loose theory because there's nothing to support this. Yep. Like statistically yet, but it's like, are people who are addicted to opioids using meth in the light of all the fentanyl deaths and overdoses that are happening as a safer alternative to get high? It's like, well, probably. I mean, I'm sure there's a few addicts out there that have had that thought. That's like, well, I, if I do meth, I mean, I'm not going to die from fentanyl. I don't know if how real that is, but like I read that somewhere, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of an interesting concept." Okay, it, but it's like asinine. Yep. I'm gonna stop heroin and do meth because it's safer. Yep. It's like uh, okay. Well, how anyway, do you how do you know that you can't get fentanyl and meth? You do get fentanyl and meth. That's the well, thing. There you go. Uh huh. So you it's get not, fentanyl and marijuana now. Well, and the thing probably is, the only place you don't get fentanyl. Is it alcohol? And I'm not promoting alcohol, wait. but it, I'm just coming. saying there'll it's be coming. a way. Probably you're gonna get the fentanyl tonic. But the yeah. thing is, when I wrote, I wrote an article about uh, that police were concerned about fentanyl laced marijuana, and I got so much hate because people were like, "Well, if you burn it," I, someone actually gave me a scientific breakdown of how if you burn it at this, like you burning something, it goes at this temperature, and, and fentanyl is because destroyed at this temperature, and so there's like a flaw in the in, in the logic behind this because if you light it on fire. It's not going to work. And so no one's going to get high from fentanyl. It's like, okay, well, thank you for the explanation. Luckily, a chemist in China figured that out too. And now they've made it to where the, the fentanyl analogs are coming over. Some of them can be smoked because they survive the burning on the marijuana. So, okay, okay. good. But this, this uh, nerve stimulator device to handle opiate withdrawals, like, I don't get it. It's like necessity is the mother of invention. I understand. However... I don't. I would not be. I personally would not be comfortable in this pilot that's being done with this device at a hospital. Um, actually, in West Virginia, yeah. piloting it. Um, do you want to be part of a pilot group that sticks a nerve stimulator on your head? I don't think so. Um, I, I just. I don't think it's. But I bet they're I, paying people the, to do it, and there yeah, you go. Because then you can get money, and you can go get high. It's just not. I just. It's like, come on. Why do we need a nerve stimulator to handle opioid withdrawal? Well, we don't, but that's because you work you work for a rehab that has a specific technology that works, and we just have to get the word out about it more and more and more yeah. so that these weird offbeat solutions, you know, are viewed as they are, which is weird and offbeat. Yeah. You know, just it, come in, do a drug-free withdrawal, do a new life sauna detox, 
you know, do the objective drills, you know, confront your past and then, you know, do the life skills and take responsibility. Yeah, but as far as like, yeah, exactly. And as far as withdrawal goes, it's like, okay, stop the drugs, handle the body. Right. Handle the symptoms that come up, fix the nutritional deficiencies and any medical conditions that and, you know, crop up during the withdrawal. And like, that's it. There's no need for like an electrical box. Well, and you don't need a drug to do it. Mm-mm. You don't need anything. I mean, unless, you know, like there are some extreme things where you've had to take people to the hospital, but nine out of every 10 people that come in, they can do a drug-free withdrawal. And it doesn't, it's not as bad as earlier withdrawals. They all, every single person I've talked to that's gone through that withdrawal, they don't say it's fun. It's not fun. No, it's not supposed but to be they, fun. But they also say it's not like as gross as it has been in the past when they've gone through a withdrawal. And, and, and that's, and that's very true. It's, it's not, that's not the, you know, I've heard over and over again, oh, you know, doing the withdrawal here is easier than anything I've done in the past, even with Suboxone, methadone, and stuff like that. And it's like, great, right, we figured out how to do this and keep you as comfortable as possible. It's just like with miracle cures like this stuff, it's like, there's always some sort of price to pay yep. when we, when we jump into miracle cures because a miracle cure, I mean, you don't know what, the, and you don't know what the long term effect of that is, is. Yeah, there's no miracle yeah. cure. We have to stop. I think I feel like we like need to stop looking for miracle cures and magic potions. Well, it's all like snake oil in the end. It's, but, like, it's not real. But let's be honest, the Narganon program is not a walk in the park. Ooh, no, I no, mean, no, no, it's no. it is not a walk in the park. A lot of people want to walk in the park. You know, they sure. figure taking the drugs was kind of a walk in the park, which. It isn't really either, but so they figure, okay, I want a one shot deal and I want to be able to get through it. Yeah. I just, rehab is not supposed to be a walk in the park. Exactly. And for me, it was for a while because it's like, yeah, you take a kid that just got a psych degree, like a psychology degree and stuck him in a treatment center where I just like literally knew what to say to everyone and the coach through treatment. I'm like, treatment's easy. I got, I get a plus in treatment. Yeah. It was just like, yep. ugh. I mean, there's there's got to come to a point in your rehab process where you hit a wall and you start digging your heels and like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. You throw a little bit of a fit um, because otherwise there's no change happening. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing yep. like impinging on you. Yep. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think these miracle cures are supposed to be a walk in the park, but I think all people just want to be able to think that that's a thing. They want to be easy and fast. That's the other thing is we're a very fast-paced society and we want everything to be easy and fast. And true and honest rehab and and going getting back to a sober life is not going to be easy necessarily and it's not going to be fast. No. You didn't, you didn't become addicted and stealing and shooting up overnight. Nope. And so your, your rehab is going to take a little bit longer. So... The watchwords for this week are, if you know somebody who needs treatment or if you yourself need treatment, please, please, please do not wait until after Christmas. Do it now. Get help now. now. And the other watchword for this week is, if we have anybody listening who happens to be connected to an attorney general in another state, you need to take a page out of Florida, Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi's book and start some lawsuits against yes. these pharmaceutical companies and against the pharmacies that are just randomly giving out these prescriptions totally. and overdosing our population with opioids. So there you go. Jason and I are going to come back. Next week, I'm. we won't be together because I will be out of town. So right. I'm going to uh, replay the Pam Bondi interview that we did before. 
I'm going to put Steve on, seeing if we can get her back on the podcast. Right. So we will next speak to you, Jason and I, on the 27th of December, oh. two weeks from today. Nice. So between now and then, will be Christmas. We wish you all a happy, sober Christmas. And please get help now. I agree. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 